Danny, listen to me. Listen to me. Danny. I mean, listen to me. These things that you do with the kids, I mean, I think they're great. No, but I mean, I think they're admirable. You want to start a chess club, a little nature walk class? This is fine. So let me get this straight. It's okay with you if I do something with the kids. Sure. But not football. Exactly. I knew you'd see it my way. No, I don't. Pardon me? I, I don't see it your way. I've really never seen it your way. I hate your way. Now, what's gotten into you? What's gotten into me, I'll tell you. You've gotten into me, and I'm sick of it. We're forming our own team. League rules clearly state one town, one team. You can't have two teams. Let's have a playoff. That's a great idea, Wilbur. How about it, fellas? How about it? Two Saturdays from today, 12 noon. Meet me at half court. It's the 50-yard line, Dad! Danny, you don't stand a chance. We just want to play. Welcome back to Ramblin', an Amblin' podcast. The podcast where we blitz the filmography of Amblin' Entertainment as we drive to the end zone and score the proverbial touchdown. Sports. <laughs> I am one half of your host, Coach Godian. <laughs> I'm the other half bad sports player, Josh Glenn. <laughs> Today, we're calling up an assistant coach to help us make sure we don't go out of bounds and achieve the perfect play. Our friend, and fellow master of film, and crucially, a sports aficionado, Reese Edwards. <laughs> Welcome to Ramblin' Reese. Thanks, guys. You know, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure to be here. <laughs> now, we are very much called, called upon you for Little Giants this episode because you know a lot more about sports than both myself and Josh Glenn combined, I think, and particularly the NFL. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But although, Andy, you've got to remember, you play in an NFL I do. fantasy league, <laughs> which I commissioner of. So Andy has Why got a lot of backing here. I'm currently in the playoffs. Like, Well, at the minute, where if it was to end today, I would be in the playoffs. But yeah, that, which, what he's saying is that the regular season is not over. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not in the playoffs, yeah? No. He did just beat me last week, though, so I, you know, I'm... Yeah. Not better uh, at all. Eat my humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> the extent of my NFL knowledge goes to Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> and then stops. So there. you're a big fan of the Dolphins team. And these uh, Miami teams. Dolphins with uh, Snowy, the whale. Is that what it is in that film? I can't remember. I think Snowy? The I want to say. It's a dolphin. Dolphin. It's Miami Dolphins. Why would it be a whale? That makes no sense. So I believe Dan Marino's in that film. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Yeah, the yeah. Dan Marino. Well, we're going to see some legends today as Indeed. well. Indeed. In the There's so. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hansika! Hansika and Seiko! 
but before we get into the little giants of it all, we like to ask our guests a couple of re- uh, regular questions. Oh, yeah. And uh, the first one being, what does Amblin mean to you, Reese Edwards? Uh, honestly, before... So I lived with Andy for two years. And mm. before I lived with Andy, I didn't know that Amblin was a thing. Hmm. Because I wasn't that into production houses. I, I, <laughs> when I watch a movie, I watch a movie. I think, how did I feel? Was yeah. I excited? Was I happy? You know, was I sad? Did it bore me? And then Andy came along, and I realised there's a lot more to it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's actually, you know, people who make these films. <laughs> so, um, but having seen the threads which I've seen from those Amblin films, now I know that they are Amblin. Mm-hmm. It's obvious they're Amblin films. Yeah. So they mean a lot to me in the sense of I know a lot of the films. And they bring me joy. They're, you know, they're warm. They're, they're something which you can go back to again and again. Mm. And it's nostalgic mm-hmm. is what they bring to me. Mm. Mm. What about Spielberg himself in general? What are your kind of... I'm not sure I've ever really kind of asked your opinion. Uh, Andy, I'm pretty of, sure uh, we talked about Spielberg like four times. We must times. have done. We must have done. <laughs> yeah, him. I mean... <laughs> No, he's, he's great. Obviously, he's great. <laughs> like, it would be stupid to say otherwise. He... It would. In different I, I, roles. It would be stupid. In different roles as well. Not just director, as yeah. producer. It's very interesting. I was reading a story about him earlier. I think he won the Oscar for Schindler's List. And he was in that ESPN article. Was, yeah. Um, and the next morning, he was in the writer's room for Little Giants. No ego on him. <laughs> yeah. Straight into a producer's meeting for a film which is intrinsically silly. <laughs> As he's just come off one of the biggest highs of his career, which is winning an Oscar for Schindler's List. <laughs> Slightly different tone. I believe the screenwriter's uh, quote in that article is like, that's when I realised Steven Spielberg was a fucking maniac. <laughs> <laughs> My image is Spielberg is a man who just points at things and says, I want them. <laughs> and then he gets them. Yeah. Um, so, Reese, are you um, you're an, an emotional guy, right? You're an emotionally in tune I, guy. I love emotions, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm quite big fond fan, of them as well. Big big fan, fan, yeah. big fan. Struggle to control them sometimes. Always had them. <laughs> Been with them for a while. Do you, uh, well, first of all, what are your thoughts on the film E.T.? Are you an E.T. man? Were you raised with E.T.? Uh, raised in the sense of I saw it when I was younger. I wouldn't <laughs> say I've gone back to it too often. Um, I've probably seen it twice in my life. Oh, interesting. And in either of those times, did you cry? I don't believe so, but I knew you were going to ask me this question. I thought this was a great opportunity <laughs> to actually instead talk about, I believe, 1988 opus that is Mac and Me. Ah! <laughs> that's the first, first time, time someone's used it as a chance to talk about I think Mac so. and Me. Yeah. <laughs> when I say shut up in a uh, shocked tone, I didn't, I've listened to every episode. So. <laughs> But yeah, no, Mac and Me is a superior, superior <laughs> film. Five stars. No notes. No notes. <laughs> the, the, have you guys seen it? I've got it on DVD. My sister got it is on DVD. Is that the same as watching it? I right? haven't seen it. Okay. Yet, but it's, it's, it's there on my shelf. It's cellophane wrap still. Have you seen that, Andy? I've seen it, yeah. Extraordinary. <laughs> no, you've seen it. Long time ago. Like, you used to do... Well, I think you still do. You have a tradition of watching yeah. sh- shit movies for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I do. So me and my me and my partner Steph, um, previous guest on the podcast, exactly. <laughs> Battery's not friend of the cast. Yeah, Battery's not included, indeed. And uh, every single Valentine's Day, um, instead of doing the usual fare, which struggling to get a booking at some sort of nice restaurant, is we get an M and S meal deal or you know, waitrose or a similar kind where it feels fancier than Tesco, mm-hmm. and then we watch two or three of 
the worst films <laughs> ever made. And this is by list. This is by like, you know, everyone agrees. Well, it's widely accepted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got a central list that's compiled from various different no. worst covers? Is it just a case of... I mean, to an extent, it's just notes on my phone and then mm. I lose them over time. And <laughs> they sort of come back over years and you remember, yes, we haven't watched Terror of Tiny Town yet. <laughs> so maybe we should do that this year. Um, some of them do get to the point where they are so bad it's boring. Mm. Yeah, still, yeah, And that's a problem. But some of them are so bad that they're the best things you've ever seen. Mm. And Mac and Me slots so well it's I've never been so entertaining <laughs> so entertaining and the product placement is I was going to say yeah yeah. is it Burger King or is it McDonald's it's McDonald's McDonald's, McDonald's. McDonald's. Ronald McDonald um, was I believe nominated for a worst newcomer golden <laughs> that year for being in the home. absolutely brilliant and I think you know the Max family they find them later I don't want not too many spoilers but they find them later on in the film, um, yeah. and they're in the desert, and they're they're so thirsty. Mm. They're they're begging for any sort of moisture. Do you know what moisture there can be out in the desert, which they have with them? Ooh, is it some kind of carbonated beverage? By it's any very much a sweet fizzy carbonated <laughs> beverage, <laughs> <laughs> and it saves their life. Did you cry at Mac and me? <laughs> Cried laughing, it sounds like. Uh, the tears were, had. tears were had. I won't divulge which ones, but tears, tears were had. Amazing film. So, sorry for you know derailing your question. About no, not, I really think it actually fits quite nicely I with this so. film as well, mm. as we'll get into the origin points of Little Giants. Oh, yeah. Weirdly, very, very fits fair, quite yeah. well with Mac and me. But before we get into the film proper, I'm going to... Hand the ball <laughs> to Joshua Glenn <laughs> to give us a little synopsis in case listeners have not managed to watch Little Giants ahead of time. What's Little Giants? Well, call me call me Hot Hand because I caught that ball. That's a reference <laughs> to the film that we're talking about today. Uh, the O'Shea brothers long to see their names on the water tower in their hometown of uh, Urbana, Ohio. Unfortunately, up, it's not a real place. No, this sounds like it isn't. Unfortunately, Danny, played by Rick Moranis, has always lived in the shadow of his older, of the older Kevin, played by Ed O'Neill. The latter growing up as a local football hero, and the former accepting his life of quiet mediocrity. <laughs> when Kevin, who coaches the Pee Wee Cowboys team, overlooks Danny's preternaturally skilled daughter Becky, played by Shauna Waldron, Icebox, during... thank you very much. Icebox. <laughs> played by Becky. Icebox. No, the character's called Becky. Icebox. Played by Shauna Waldron. During the team tryouts, the rejected kids decide to reject their rejection and band together to form their own team, the Little Giants. Becky's new teammates include Rashid, played by Troy Simmons, the aforementioned Hot Hands. Hot Hands. Uh, who can't catch for shit. Tad, <laughs> played by Danny Pritchett, who can't run for shit. And Rudy, played by Mike Zvina, who can't stop farting for shit. Which sounds like, sounds like it's almost wordplay, but I don't think it actually is. Well done. The kids manage to coax Danny into coaching their team by playing on Kevin's condescension, but there's one catch. The Pee Wee Football League enforces a one-town, one-team rule, meaning that the Giants must play against the Cowboys to see who will represent Abana. Through a series of montages, uh, the Danny... The Danny, rather, and the Giants round <laughs> up other outcasts uh, around the city, none of whom stand out enough to name in this synopsis. <laughs> they, eventually, they eventually discover a strong-armed quarterback by the name of Junior, played by Devin Sauer, a.k.a. Casper, a.k.a. Stan, 
from the music video oh, for Eminem's <laughs> who inspires confusing feelings in Becky Icebox, and who turns out to be the son of Danny's childhood crush, Patty, played by Susanna Thompson. Who's the Borg Queen in Star Trek Voyager. Right. <laughs> big, big, big stuff. While, <laughs> while the two teams train, two mischievous old men stoke the brotherly rivalry <laughs> by informing them that a star player called Spike, played by Sam Horrigan, has recently moved to the town. Danny manages to recruit Spike first by leading his meat-headed father, Mike, played by, played by Brian Haley from Baby's Day Out, one of the yeah, robbers from Baby's Day Out. I thought you'd again bring that up. <laughs> to believe that he's the more famous of the two O'Shea coaches. But Spike's aggressive and militant style starts to cause rifts within the Giants. Will the teams be able to get their shit together in time to not be utterly humiliated by the Cowboys? Will a bus carrying NFL stars break down in town just in time to inspire them? Will Becky be able to navigate these confusing hormones and square fancying a boy with her desire to play football? Will Junior tell us at great length whether he finds kissing disgusting? And most importantly, will two brothers will the two brothers finally get both of their names on the town's water tower? Yeah. Um, So This is the part of the show where we normally talk about Previous connections with the film I've got zilch for this This is not a film that I realised existed until (coughs) Heading out (laughs) Sorry This is not a film I realised existed I just got that out the ice box (laughs) (laughs) It's very good (laughs) I'm doing my own foley this episode (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is not a film I knew existed until we started on this Amblin Entertainment mm. journey. Um, what was it for you guys? Uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Reese, uh, seeing mm. as I believe you had seen it once before. Yeah, once before, and it was this year. Mm. But um, I did on Valentine's Day. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, but it was with Steph. So uh, it was just before the Super Bowl, and I was missing my good friend Mikey, who was also in the Fantasy League. Because ah. uh, we have this Super Bowl tradition where we do many things relating to American football, and then together we watch the Super Bowl. Um, but this year I didn't have that, so I had to settle slash improve my day, Steph, <laughs> by by watching it with Steph instead. And uh, so every single year, me and Mikey, we get together, we have a full day event of it. You know, we tend to... Mm-hmm. Cook some amazing food, do a brisket, wings, cornbread, that sort of thing. I was there. You were there for one year. Yeah. (laughs) The North Dallas Water year. The North Dallas Water year. Um, Do an activity, play this year's Super Bowl on Madden as well. Mike has never won. (laughs) Um, So he supports an AFC team called the Chargers. I, I feel like I'm having to explain it very basically. No, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the Chargers. And I, like if you're talking to dummies. Yeah. <laughs> and I support an NFC team. So that's American Football Championship, National Football Championship, mm-hmm. uh, called the New Orleans Saints. So we take, among ourselves, he takes the AFC team, I take the NFC team. Right. And when we're watching the game as well, uh, we will also support the NFC and the AFC. And the winner takes home a completely meaningless <laughs> completely arbitrary trophy yeah. as well because <laughs> there's nothing you can do it's like I can't even change who I'm supporting mm-hmm. you just take who you're given yeah <laughs> but we have a little trophy for it and we also have a jersey which the winner has for a year nice 
But as part of that, we always try and watch an NFL film. And I think I've listed some of the films... Oh, this is good. ...which we might have seen. Mm. Um, I can't remember if they were with Mike or not. <laughs> How far but, back does this tradition date? Oh, probably five, six years at least. Uh, well, well, I mean, we've added stuff. In the tyres. Mm. <laughs> we've added stuff as we've gone as well to the, to the tradition. But the bare bones remain the same. Madden, film, food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we watched the original Longest Yard. Because mm. we had both definitely seen the Adam Sandler, Adam yeah. Sandler. Uh, Invincible, I believe, yeah. was one of them. Draft, Marky Mark? It's Marky Mark, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, fantastic film, a Disney film. I Disney believe. film, it's yeah. Really good. I don't know that from the It's Always Sunny episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Draft Day, which I highly recommend. Ooh, Costner. Starring uh, Griffin Newman as well. Griffin Newman. Yeah, Honestly, <laughs> it's such. Like, if you think of. A scientifically bred Kevin Costner film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one has come straight out the lab, <laughs> and he gets to do some serious Costnering. He, he costners. Oh, he Costners hard. He Costners hard, <laughs> <laughs> and he Costners well. <laughs> and but the, and, and also the late great Chadwick Boseman is <gasps> delightful in it as well. So it's a great film. I would really recommend it. Mm. You're not going to be like, oh, best film I've ever seen. Yeah, but you're going to leave it feeling happy. So even Raitman's latest is that the most recent oh, thing? I thought that was a Raitman joint. Raitman, rather. Yeah. Right. It might have been, you know. It might have been his last. Let's say yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, no strings attached. Might have been his Ooh. last. You know. <laughs> draft day was after that. Then we'll Must go draft be. day. <laughs> um, we are Marshall. I've, I've never seen We Are Marshall. Yeah, it's How fine. How is it? <laughs> you know what? McConaughey gets to choose some scenery. Yeah. Is that McGee? Yeah. Is it McGee that did that? We Are Marshall as someone. It does feel. I think that might. It's McGee. You're right. An early McGee joint of Charlie's. So you bring the sports movies. I can. I can. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, the best one we saw: North Dallas Forty. Oh, now that is a great sports film. Mm -hmm. Seen it yet, Josh? Mm -hmm. I haven't. You've seen Slapshot. Similar vein. If you like sports movies, these are kind of bleak. Yeah. It's but a lot of great yeah. under the nails, seventies like <laughs> sort of vibes. It was mm. really nasty, scuzzy. Yeah, mm. like no, nothing is formulaic in the same way that sports movies are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a powerhouse Nick Nolte performance of not giving a shit. Oh, there you <laughs> like, go. Absolute broken man. Yeah. <laughs> but also very easy to shrug off things as well. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant in it. I, it's That and Slapshot are my two favourite sports movies, I'd say. Uh, highly recommend those two. Mm-hmm. Now I've watched both of them with you. I'll back this up. <laughs> How good Slapshot is it? Is it, what's the song in Slapshot? Right man? back where we started from. Maxine Nightingale. It's <laughs> brilliant. So so that's my connection to the, <laughs> to the film. Beautiful. Uh, so Little Giants I watched this year with Steph before the Super Bowl. Right. Because I've got to watch. You've got to watch an NFL film. movie. Yeah. Is it like, so would you say North Dallas Sport is your favourite NFL focused movie yes. that you've seen? It's it's the best. It's I think it's the best one mm. and probably my favourite. Draft day is great nonsense. Nice. <laughs> Do you have much experience with NFL movies as a as a subgenre of the sport? No, I, I was thinking. I I thought this film was a baseball film when we first discovered it as on the filmography. Because I, I, baseball films, I'm quite au fait with. I do like a good baseball film, 
But no, I, I I have no real apart from Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have. I don't like all the films that you've mentioned. I haven't seen any of them. Um, it's a weird. Remember the out. Titans? Not like Friday Night Lights. No, you nothing. must have seen um, Any Given Sunday. The Longest Yard. Mm-hmm. The uh, Adam Sandler. One. Nah, you even, not seen Not that? even that one. The Water Boy. The Water yeah, Boy. Yeah, the Water Boy. Kind of there yeah. we go. Yeah, that is uh, my it's my um, sleepover staple. When I was my fantasy kid. NFL team is called High Quality H Two O. In tribute. But no, it really, really not. I, I think the weird thing is, I'm not a sportively inclined individual. But I do like sporting films an awful lot. Mm. But we watched. I remember watched the Natural ahead of Diner <laughs> doing some Barry Levinson research. And I love the Natural. I think it's great. I thought the Natural was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's it's a genre that I do like. I think if I take comfort in the formulaic nature mm. of it, I think they're fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I think they're some of the best films you could possibly have. Firstly, I love the sports, but I don't think it matters. Mm. Yeah. You get something like Whiplash. Mm. That's a sports mm, film. Structured mm. like a sports it's movie. It's a sports sure. <laughs> Films like that, it just works with keeping you... And it can be a tight 90 as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, they fit so well. That's a tight 90. Easy endorphin release yeah. at the end. It's pretty... I, I, I almost cried at this movie twice. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Stop. <Yeah>. Dad! <laughs> Don't you dare cry, Josh. Oh, that- Oh, can we talk about that bit now? Or are we... <laughs> Do we yeah, come on to that later? Oh, like... uh, keep that one in the arsenal. <laughs> okay, cool. I want some thoughts. <laughs> I'll build this into those thoughts. <laughs> but uh, the poster looks almost familiar, though. It, it has that comforting mid nineties. Kind of looks like the kindergarten up. cop poster mm. as well. Just like white background. Yeah, characters cut out and just stuck up there. <laughs> Handwritten writing, but um. <laughs> To go back to the Macamie point, this, ah, uh, this film good. has ah. a... <laughs> Segway. <laughs> the Alan Silvestri scored Macamie. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Shut up. No yeah. way. Quality on quality. <laughs> uh, now across the Amblin filmography, we have encounter films that are adaptations of books, TV shows, remakes of other movies, cartoons. But this is the first time, and I'm going to assume... The only time <laughs> we're looking at a film based on the McDonald's Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> um, is this a? Did you guys get a chance to watch the yeah. commercial? It's like ninety seconds long. It's it's very corny, cheesy, it's very corny. Cool yeah, and there's some beats that are in the movie. They yeah. some beats. But the, I love the exchange at the end. This kid goes, "Can we go to McDonald's now, Coach?" And the guy goes, "After the game, it's only halftime. Go sit down." Yeah, that kid needs to grow up. That kid needs to grow up. Get their head back in the game. And it's really in the game. <laughs> the coach is just cold. To Shut up. Sit down. It's halftime, idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Sit down. Uh, that spot aired during the 1992 Super Bowl uh, game, which saw the Washington Redskins defeat the Buffalo Bills. Okay. The Washington that. Commanders, as they're known now. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I remember. Andy, you know this. <laughs> you <laughs> literally. <laughs> <played>. <laughs> <laughs> For the last, two, oh, I think it was either a year or two years, they were called the Washington Football Team. While they do some PR to try and decide yeah. because they realized, they're working it out, they, they realized how well. I mean, I don't think they ever realized their owner Dan Snyder, who who could be going down mm. slash uh, selling the team right now. Um, he's he's an awful man, mm. and uh, they always push back against the name being changed from Washington 
Redskins. There we go, Andy. Yeah. Thank you for saying the slur instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've already said it, so <laughs> we're going to bleep it during it. <laughs> we don't condone. No, no, no. In fact, I hate it. It was the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, even uh, still, or even even until twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah. No, even later, actually, 20, mm. 2018, 19. So well, didn't change it till that late. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What, I didn't appreciate the wa- that was Washington Football Team for a couple of years until they decided on their new name, Washington Commanders. Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. So, so there we go. Sorry to. That's all right. Weird culture war sticking point. I'd like the Confederacy flag defenders. Like we must defend this racist symbol because mm. it's intrinsic to us. It's, like, oh, it's, yes. it's always what our football team's been called. Mm. Like, I can see the arguments now. <laughs> but um, this ad um, depicts pee wee football teams across the country and their mutual love of a post-match McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and said ad was developed by Jim Ferguson and Bob Shawcross. Uh, very much two New York ad men at the time. And it caught the eye of one Steven Spielberg. Uh, 90 seconds and Steven Steel- Spielberg changed our lives, Ferguson told the Chicago Tribune's Julie Barney <laughs> Bennett. Uh, we'd been assigned to do a commercial for a football game featuring the country's best players. And we thought, wouldn't it be neat to go back to where this all starts, Shawcross said. Besides, we've never seen an ad featuring peewee football. The ad caught Spielberg's imagination as he reportedly called up his uh, production assistant at the time, just going like, find me the guys who made this commercial. I want my home alone. That is apparently a genuine quote that he said. (laughs) John Jonah James. (laughs) Give me the McDonald's commercial, boys. Bring me a home alone. (laughs) I'm just surprised that Spielberg was watching the Super Bowl. It just doesn't count. I don't know why. I've got nothing to base that on. <laughs> like, even to the point the writers have said like it played during the Super Bowl's first quarter and they were like, what if he had to leave the room? Yeah, what if he yeah. had to go take a piss? And no, he was maybe, right there and he saw it. Maybe Spielberg doesn't care about football at all. Yeah, maybe and he is he just only watches ads. trailers. It's <laughs> kind of it what I be. do, really. Yeah. <laughs> the two ad men uh, had never worked on a feature script before, uh, but they got this meeting with Steven Spielberg after uh, said production assistant chased chased them down mm-hmm. and they eventually answered the call back to be like is this genuine uh, are you actually ambling entertainment is this actually steven spielberg's office <laughs> <laughs> and uh they realized it was too good of an opportunity to pass up we're not yeah. big dummies said ferguson <laughs> <laughs> we started hashing out peewee football stories right away when we finally talked to spielberg himself he said you guys if you guys can pack that kind of emotion into 90 seconds, I'd like to see what you could do with 90 minutes. It's a McDonald's commercial. <laughs> Not a very good one. And by the end of this first meeting in New York, the two the two ad men have both agreed to write a 90-minute film feature screenplay, despite having no mm. other no experience beyond making 90-second <laughs> commercials. I, am, I feel like I'm going to push back slightly on Josh's point here. Okay. <laughs> Just to make sure I never get invited back. Um, <laughs> Ooh, a confrontation. <laughs> we haven't had one of those yet, I don't think. In, I guess you've never done this before. <laughs> in 38 episodes, Sorbin, yes, I agree. And I also love you. Well, I do, but it's... Um, to, to further my point, it's it's one of those things where saying it's a bad commercial mm. because we see how silly it is. Yes is not saying it's a bad commercial mm. for the point of what it is. 
And I think a lot of people, because we don't have that connection to football yeah. growing up, mm. Americans will have seen so much of what they grew up doing or being a parent of in that country at the time. Mm. I can exactly see what Spielberg thought. There's money here. <laughs> Get me some of that. I mean, like, I, I, I think it's a very effective and I didn't want to turn it off commercial. Ah, because I like the sport point. as well. And mm. I don't mm. have that backing of growing up loving it. I grew up loving sport, rugby, cricket, mm. football, whatever. But not NFL, but I can see parallels in my love of mm. those yeah. sports growing up in that advert. I fully agree. And yeah. it is, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's schmaltzy, it's American, it's silly, but I think it plays to it as well. I think it's a really lovely commercial until it's suddenly about McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, they have to be about something. <laughs> it's a commercial. It's about Pee Wee Football. <laughs> <laughs> it's only halftime. Sit down, kid. Easy, idiot. No, that's very fair. I suppose objectively, it's a very effective, it's very effective at what it's doing. Yeah. I mm. just, uh, I think I bristle at that, which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, You're not going to like Mac and me. (laughs) (laughs) Really sorry, man. Um. Uh, But after that meeting, they were both quick to get an agent in Hollywood and Spielberg flew them out to California and taught them how to do it, Ferguson said. Uh, Writing movies is pretty much a formula. (laughs) And he just spent us an hour showing us a quick formula and then we set to work on a peewee football script. Ah. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, they worked on it nights and weekends, in planes and in hotel rooms. And the two have really spoken quite enthusiastically about the whole experience. Uh, stating that Spielberg had given them such a great opportunity and that if they, were, they would have killed themselves if they were just sitting on the side of the field and let someone else play. So they were very excited to be given the chance to expand this idea. I do find it wild that apparently, I think it's probably from the ESPN I was reading it, they, because they had their full-time jobs as admin, yes. right, they were, one of them said he was getting home at two o'clock in the morning, waking up at six, and to get back to his actual job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they didn't drop the, because they were like, we can't, Yeah, we can't, like, I think one of, the, one of the quotes they kind of say is like, we we weren't stupid, we were like, we can't just quit our jobs and be like, we're going to be big Hollywood yeah. hotshot writers now. <laughs> They're like, we still have to do that. So they were working from seven till t- midnight. Yeah, it's on, nuts. On the street. <laughs> and then... In between where they could. Yeah. <laughs> and it was two hours getting home and then <laughs> six o'clock in the morning comes, they wake up and back into work. Yeah. Just, for a year as well as what they were saying. Oh, that, that's hustle. Yeah. It's that's hustle. grind. They worked on it for, it took 16 weeks for them to complete an initial draft. And then they rewrote it 10 times in total, apparently. Yeah. Four. <laughs> Not quite Flintstones level, but still mm. extensive. Uh, it was at this point when they were still trying to figure it out. And I think it started to become clear that, like, yes, these guys haven't written a movie yet. So we should probably get some boys in who have a bit of success here. Which is where uh, Cool Running script duo Tommy uh, Swerdlow and Michael Goldberg came on board to offer their sports comedy expertise. Shao <laughs> <laughs> um, Cross said very much that Spielberg's writers made some changes, but the story is still the same. Uh, the final product is still their, their core of the idea of it's the good team versus the bad team. It's about all the kids who didn't get picked. And to bring this family-friendly picture to the supposedly uh, malnourished family movie market, which is another reason that they described as to why they wanted to do it, because apparently there were no family films 
out for the American film market, despite the fact that our last episode was The Little Rascals. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mac and me had been out for six years. Dwayne Dunham was hired to direct the film, um, and he had just previously made his directorial debut the year before with the similarly family-friendly fair of Homeward Bound, An Incredible Journey, which is a film I remember from youth. From the trailer at the start of one of You've never seen Homeward tapes. Bound? No, I don't think all the it's way cute. through. <laughs> I think I've seen it many years ago. Yeah. And I could not tell you a thing which happens. Animals talk. <laughs> yeah, but their mouths don't move. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> that kind of, Bring that, that back. Is yeah. <laughs> it a look who's talking kind of thing where it's the inner monologue of the yeah. animals? It's like Michael J. Fox, Sally Field, and some other guy. <laughs> um, but before this, um, Dwayne Dunham had a got his start in the industry as an editor at 25 years old he worked as an assistant editor on star wars and went on to work on the rest of the trilogy as well as the likes of apocalypse now and raiders of the lost ark um it was also in the 80s that he first started a quite fruitful collaboration with david lynch um as he was the editor on blue velvet blue velvet and went on to edit wild at heart as well as edit and direct episodes of the in the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. That's absolutely wild. And edit the entirety of 2017's limited series, Twin it's Peaks Returns. <laughs> <laughs> when talking about what attracted him to Little Giants, Dunham said that he admired Jim and Bob, saying that there's there's an honesty about the men and their writing. That is rare. And that's what attracted me to it. Little Giants, I know, after Little Giants, I know they'll be very successful. And I look forward to seeing more of their work in the future. It should be noted at this time that they did not really do anything else. Oh. But it's like little giants. I think they went back to their ad, ad work, so I don't think they were too lost, but the Hollywood dream didn't really take off. They were smart to do those jobs. Yeah. They went back to their eight till seven. Uh, yeah. And they were fine with it. Uh, one casting note I thought was quite funny was that reportedly Randy Quaid and Gary Busey were initially cast Jeez. in the two roles. <laughs> <laughs> who would have been who? I don't know, it's so hard to picture. Sorry. <laughs> but one of them's meant to be a, an ex-Heisman winner. Yep. Which one's going to be the ex-Heisman winner, do you think, out of Gary well, Busey two. and Randy Quaid? I guess Gary Busey yeah. was in yeah. better shape. <laughs> Elimination. Yeah. <laughs> that would have just been a much more wild card pairing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the kids they cast largely in LA and did open casting calls in uh, um, the, uh, the the west, the west well Ohio where the film is set as mm. well um, actor Jonathan uh, Bowick was originally cast in the role of Junior before Devin Sawyer got it and shot for several weeks uh, before being replaced Ooh, um, a real Eric Stoltz Michael J. Fox yeah apparently just wasn't working out and Sora had just finished Casper and that is why uh, Spielberg was like I'll just get this kid that has been working down down the block. Casper shot like yeah, a year before it came out because uh, it had a very extensive production. As <laughs> we'll find out next episode. <laughs> <laughs> but being 15 years old amongst a cast of 10-year-olds, Sora was much taller than his castmates, <laughs> and which is why eagle-eyed viewers might have noticed that he's just wearing socks in a lot of scenes. <laughs> 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 Uh, the film shot in the early summer of 1994, with sunny Arroyo, <laughs> Arroyo Grande, California, standing in for the full setting of Ohio. 
Um, apparently fake yellow leaves were attached to trees to make it look more akin to the time of year they were supposed to be at. Uh, with Spielberg's new go-to cinematographer, Janusz Kaminski, lending the picture. Very funny. <laughs> Who also was not like fresh off of uh, Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> um, sadly, things did not run too smoothly for Dunham as director, as he reportedly struggled with the demands of the shoot, not to mention a heat wave and the back and the backing of the NFL, which meant the film had to be done by October. Despite the fact that when it was May 1994, they still didn't have a script up in pace. So he got a call from the film's producer, Lucy Fisher, saying, do you want the good news or the bad news? And he's like, uh, good news. The good news is the NFL is looking to promote the sport to young kids and they've come forward with financing and they want and they want to know that uh, they wanted to know that we had a project good to go. And we said, yes, it's Little Giants. We're going to make this movie. And I said, what's the bad news? She said, bad news is, and he's getting this news on the 4th of May. They said, we have to have it in theatres by October. I'm guessing to coincide with the season starting, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, so he has to sort out the rest of the financing and then shoot the thing in June, July, um, mm. August. <laughs> um, so... It was very much kind of last minute, get it together, get it ready to go. And during the pressure to shooting, apparently he wasn't really coping. Um, Shauna Waldron recalled in an interview during the film's 25th anniversary. Um, he's an amazing editor, really, really meticulous. It has to be exactly the way it has to be. So a lot of time was taken just doing stuff. I remember when we were filming the first scene, one scene took him four days. So Spielberg had to come down and say, you need to stop taking four days <laughs> to shoot a scene. <laughs> and because of this, the schedule started to fall behind, particularly during the shooting of the final football game mm. sequence. It was at this point that Dunham was removed from the film oh. as director, having already shot two thirds of it. Uh, it was Flintstones director, Brian Levant, who was brought in for the last few weeks of filming and to finish the football sequences. With uh, Rexford L. Metz coming in as cinematographer as well, so even Kaminsky was out the out the door at this point. Uh, Dunham was retained, however, to supervise the editing, um, so he saw the film to completion in that regard. Hence, mm -hmm. why there's no kind of weird kind of DGA yeah. arbitration thing going on. <laughs> the film did indeed manage to make its uh, release schedule of October fourteenth, nineteen ninety four where it opened at number five in the US box office oh. with $4.7 million. Coming in behind holdovers, The River Wild and The Specialist at number four and number two, respectively, and behind other new releases, New Nightmare at number three and Pulp Fiction at number one. The critical reception was similarly lukewarm, with The Washington Post saying, if Little Giants were in a, was in the <laughs> beauty pageant, it might have been voted Miss Congeniality. But it definitely wouldn't have taken the crowd. <laughs> I'd give it the attendance award. <laughs> the movie would go on to become something of a box office bomb, grossing only 19.3 million worldwide off of a budget of 20 million. Jim and Bob would go on to have very little credits to their name. There's one other film in like 2003. <laughs> <laughs> the film has gone on to have something of a cult following. And quite a fun legacy as well, with the game-winning play at the end of the movie, the annexation of Puerto Rico, 
being put to use in the in the real world, <laughs> real world by real teams. <laughs> um, it first occurred on September 18th, 2010, where Michigan State faked a field goal for a touchdown in their match against Notre Dame, bringing a bringing them a 34 to 31 victory rather than a 31-31 tie that would put the game into second overtime. Now, Andy, I might have to push back here. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. He's pushing back. <laughs> um, the, the annexation of Puerto Rico, mm. as a play, is a fumbled ruski. Fumble, yes, it, it, that is a... Which was invented in the 1920s by John Heisman. It's a fumble ruski. Fumble ruski. And Ed O'Neill spots this happening as it happens, mm. and he shouts, fumble ruski, yes. fumble ruski. <laughs> um, it's a fumble ruski. And the play which you're thinking about, I believe... Was named Little Giants. Yes, it was. Yeah, by the coach. The coach. Yeah, I've got the quote yeah. from the coach. <laughs> so it wasn't the same play as the annexation of Puerto Rico. Right. Okay. So w- is it a different play that they use? Yeah. Do you know which one? Out of oh no, it's um, it's it's just just a trick play. It's right, a play okay. they made up, and it's called Little Giants. Right. Okay. He named it after one of his favorite films. <laughs> <laughs> I like, and even the time of like 2010 feels like it's like okay, this is a guy that was probably quite young in 1994 mm. and he was like I'm gonna put this into play <laughs> <laughs> I, I was one of those guys contributing to the 4.7 million dollar opening weekend <laughs> but uh, ironically enough the play has been later banned in PE <laughs> football <laughs> hey coach mind if I ask you something yeah. I got kind of a big game coming up you got any advice good luck Listen, there's no big secret to winning football. It's just doing what these guys do every game. Just go out and give it your best. Bottom line, I took a team to a Super Bowl and we won. I even had some guys on that team that nobody wanted. But we were a team. And that's what you guys are. You're a football team. That's kind of like a family. Except you get to hit each other. But you have to stick together. Do that, you'll be fine. Thanks, Mr. Rabbit. So that's that's the kind of how we get to um, the Little Giants and um, mm. <laughs> and this kind of weird legacy it's had because, like, even the writers to this day kind of talk about how they do get whenever they kind of meet people and they mention that they were worked on Little Giants are like oh I love that movie and they're like well where were you opening weekend <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I found it quite interesting because like initially looking at the Wikipedia page of this film it looks quite slim on the ground mm. in terms of like getting much of a grounding beyond the one line of it's based off of McDonald's Super Bowl commercial I want my own home alone yeah <laughs> and like then kind of digging into it and then realising there's this whole element where the NFL kind of um, contribution wasn't always mm. set in stone, and because they did eventually get that kind of on the signed on the dotted line, it fundamentally changes the pace of production of this film, arguably to the detriment of it. But um, what is, I'm going to throw this particularly to you, Reese, as a film that you've watched as part of this kind of NFL tradition, mm-hmm. how how does it stand for you as a film? about football and being in the world of peewee football in the NFL? Uh, nonsense. In terms, <laughs> in terms of the actual content of football. Um, but holds true just in popular culture terms because, again, I've not been invested in that world growing up. Mm-hmm. 
True in terms of, I think, Ed O'Neill's character. I love Ed O'Neill. I think he's great. <laughs> I think his character does ring true with a lot of tropes about coaches and ex-players yeah. in American football. I think there's a mentality mm. which is kind of, it chimes true. I think there, there, there's some sense of uh, verity about that, but I don't, yeah, the actual football... Nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Silly. It's Silly cartoon. Silly <laughs> yeah. No, it's ridiculous. I mean, the amount of times where you see someone holding the ball and then staring for at least 10 seconds <laughs> before anything happens. Dad! <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, but that doesn't happen. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't be football, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, bang bang plays. These are Hollywood moments. Yeah. You don't get time to sit around. Yeah, <laughs> and there is so much sitting There's around. So much in sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> As, asking you, me the same question. No, I wasn't going to ask you the same question. More coming, kind of going from <laughs> it as a sports movie. Uh-huh. How, how successful do you think it is generally as a sports movie? It, it is. It is. When they talked, when when um when Ferg and Bob spoke about being taught Jim and Bob the formula <laughs> for writing, it makes a lot because it's a very formulaic genre, and this movie does very much cleave to that template, and it has a bit of fun with it. It sort of plays around within that, but um, I don't know, man. I find it very boring. I was very <laughs> bored by this film, <laughs> so I I, I think. It's, it'd be a good sort of my first sports movie. I think if I saw it when mm. I was eight years old, I would have mm. loved this thing. Like, I've, I've been saying that quite a lot recently, I feel like. but You said that in the literally last episode of The Little Rascals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the little movies they made in 1994. If I'd have seen those when I was little, I would have been really into them. But um, I, I suppose it's quite a successful in that underdog, plucky underdog thing. But I think watching it as a 30-year-old, I, yeah. I just did not, I got nothing. I would say I found it more fun second time around. All right, you know, it's the nuances. and, and <laughs> No, honestly, it's not. I think I was more drunk. <laughs> um, and I knew that I was coming to speak to you guys about it, so I had to pay attention. Um, yeah, no, I think it was better second time around. First time around, I watched it. I did think yeah. I'm slightly bored by some of the silliness of character, with the, yeah. uh, which didn't, you know, work with me. But then watching it back, you know. Because I was looking for the football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I yeah. was like, right, here's some good stuff. <laughs> I think the macro kind of brotherly, brotherly rivalry, yeah. um, the, in... the sort of, you've got, a, you know, that kind of thing works in a sports movie context. Mm. I just, whenever it does pivot to the family dynamics, I was like, oh, this is boring. This is yeah. so, <laughs> so dull. But and, Rick and uh, Ed are good. Rick and yeah. Ed are good. Well, actually, uh, yes. Ed's good. I feel like. You, you're not a fan you, of Rick You know I adore this. Rick. I won't. In the Flintstones episode, I speak a lot about how much I love him. I just feel like in this, he's so low energy that he just dissipates. It's I, really weird. His just being on screen makes me want to watch things. I think this no, is he's quite a warm presence. Yeah. He is kind of, he's in that suburban dad Wayne Zielinski mode. Yeah. But he gets to play a sort of kooky, gentle mad scientist in Hermeshant the Kids. Whereas in this, he's just a, he's a, <laughs> just a mediocre man. <laughs> it took me a long time to realise. It's like, oh, oh, he owns the character. <laughs> yeah. I just think there's this great moment in, at half time where... Ed O'Neill turns up and talks to in in the tunnel. He says to Rick, "You know, we should this thing's over. Just throw it, it off. yeah, just throw it in now." <laughs> and, uh, and Rick says, "It's not over. Yeah, it's half time. Yeah, with this smarmy grin on his yeah. face, where he's got this confidence where either he's a sociopath 
who knows nothing about football. <laughs> yeah. Or he knows he's in an Amblin movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> Ed O'Neill's like, call it a half time, we'll go to McDonald's, like, we'll get some burgers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's really nice of him. <laughs> Throw off the stupid bet, it doesn't matter. Like. <laughs> but yeah, I, he does, he cuts close to the edge of... <laughs> Or being like ridiculous responses <laughs> yeah, yeah. to moments in this film, and the, the climactic rousing speech that it gives is so lame. I quite there liked were... that. <laughs> Every day, me and my one brother time. would just, cycle down a hill, time. and then one day we cycled down a hill, and I beat him. One time, make it more florid. One time. <laughs> one time. One we time. We just need one time. Yeah, there are a couple of speeches like that. Like the one that really struck me was when like. They're like, how do we get the exposition in that the mum left? And they're like, <laughs> oh, your uncle not picking you for the team is much like that time when your mum walked out on us. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> it does feel like he's like, Rick, why do you keep bringing it up? Yeah. <laughs> you should really stop using that as a parenting tool. <laughs> I don't think that's a healthy way to talk about things. Uh, big but though to go back to your initial question I like I said at the very start I did there were little moments in the finale that in spite of my cynicism and my general sort of um, apathy towards the film it, the sports movie formula does pay off even if you aren't engaged so the bit when the dad comes even though it's, it's dumb and so weird I was still like, oh, it's nice that his dad's come. <laughs> Straight from work Literally as well. walking at the end zone. Can, we, can we talk about this yet? <laughs> yes, is this yes, a, yes, go ahead. This go is ahead. the moment we can talk about. Go for it. His dad's a shitbag. His dad's an absolute shitbag. His, dad's, his dad's the worst. <laughs> and why are we giving him that moment? And I'm also like, because you never see like another parent as well for this no. kid. So you well, just assume that this child has just been left alone for it's this entire It's all single parent time. household. Mostly single parent household. Yeah, that kid go. gets, like, he's a main character in any other film he gets yeah. no screen time yeah. so. <laughs> this is a couple of points where it's like hey I, I, I can't remember his name it's like Vance or Vinny or something he's, like um, that yeah John Vance or Some something like shit, that but there's even like you know there's Johnny that... Tracy Viper is that Viper yeah, yeah it is Viper um, there's that point where um, Rip Moranis has thrown that party for all the parents and the families <laughs> yeah the yeah and it's just like oh, oh hey Viper I thought I was gonna be able to meet your dad this year he was like no, he's away. Anyway, I'll see you later. And then there's just like, he just gives a kind of smile. Like, it's like, poor kid. <laughs> it's just so funny that every time, every time you see Viper with you, have like two scenes of Viper with his dad. I think one of them is in the morning when his dad's going to work. And yeah. I swear the other one's at night. He's like kissing him goodnight. Goodnight, son. I gotta go to work. <laughs> Do you see him like putting a boarding pass in his briefcase as he shoots? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? And then they give him that moment at the end where it's yeah. like, this kid will do anything. Yeah, for his dad. There is no retribution. There is nothing which makes you think that he's going to be a better dad. Nothing materially changes for the dad. Oh, and the one, the one time he does show up, he walks on the fucking pitch. Like he walks right. Onto I the personally think pit. that the the um, pills that the sickfield kid gave yeah. to the rest of the team to froth at the mouth has just made uh, Viper hallucinate <laughs> during <laughs> during this this spurt of play. I do love what's the opposite of ASMR. Like nails on a chalkboard is how many extra syllables American kids oh, add to the word dad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think the opposite is RMSA. RMSA. <laughs> um, um, but to kind of go back to the point of um, the, the the kind of central relationship between the brothers, 
because the whole film mm-hmm. opens with the a flashback in 1964 where mm. you see the kind of like early dynamic taking shape of uh, Kevin Ed O'Neill's mm. character as a child played by uh, Travis Robertson kind of holding it over his little brother and um, played by Justin John Ross <laughs> give, him, give him a shout yeah. and it, you established pretty early on that there's this relationship that um, he's always just for himself as the better of the two mm. and just like doesn't really expect much from his little brother <laughs> uh, but then I think there's such an interesting element to particularly Ed O'Neill's Kevin that is there but never quite played up enough to be like because oh, a lot of kind of kiddie comedy nonsense gets in the way but yeah. that idea of like the footballer who's gone on in his youth to have like an incredible career as a player yeah, and then he's gotten to the end of his career and he's like what the hell am I going to do Yeah, okay I'm just going to move back home where they see me as a hero and put my name up he's they the, name the park he's the Ralph Macchio Exactly. He's got car dealership. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He's Danny LaRusso with LaRusso Auto Parts. <laughs> I thought, and that was during my second time watching, having seen Cobra Kai, mm. I was like, oh no, that's what they've done. Mm-hmm. Cobra Kai has done a little giant. They've taken the little giant's <laughs> model. <laughs> I mean, it's just something so interesting about yeah. that guy who was like top of the world and has had to move, he's ended up having to move back Yes, he's got. He's still clearly very wealthy. He's got a lovely house. He's got a lovely family, a nice car. But he's running an auto dealership and is still kind of hogging, holding on to the glory days as best he can. <laughs> yeah. And in this town, the only way to do that is to coach the Pee Wee football team. <laughs> uh, I think there's a good, like, there's a really good parallel between the two because both of them. Was he uh, Larusso wins the All State Championship? Yeah, the All Valley All Valley Championship. Yeah, the All Valley Championship. How much does that get you as a karate expert? I think he only got a trophy, you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and guess how much Ed O'Neill's character, would have, what's his name again? Kevin, Kevin O'Shea. Kevin. How much would have Kevin O'Shea got for winning the Heisman? I don't know. How much? Absolutely zero. Because <gasps> he was a college player. Right, okay. So they were both great at a young age. Yeah. Mm. And then you can't translate that into further success because it's, you know, it's a different world. I guess yeah. in karate, there's a very different sort of... <laughs> funding pool there is the NFL <laughs> but they never mention anything apart from the Heisman about Kevin O'Shea yeah they never mention anything else so I think there's a really good parallel there between what the happened two. yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah they both moved back and car dealership is the obvious thing isn't yeah. it in America <laughs> <laughs> you're always going to remember where you bought your first Chevy <laughs> <laughs> this to me sounds like the setup for a 10 part HBO Max miniseries <laughs> Kevin Kevin O'Shea boy wonder <laughs> but um, I really like Ed O'Neill in this it's probably my favourite performance in the whole thing he's very funny and and I feel like he does play it with that kind of veneer of like a man trying to put up a bit of a front because there is a pride that has been hurt but uh, he also he has a bit of integrity as well there's that point in the game at the end where Spike Mm -hmm. who's like a in your synopsis you allude to a player that's new in town that's the want to get for yeah, your Pee Wee football team, and uh, his dad coaxes him into cheating, basically That's to take Junior out, out the, the game. One of the kidnappers and babies yeah. out, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "You pull that again, and we're done." He's like, "Come on, I thought you wanted to win," and he's just like, "Not like that." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, Kevin." And also, <laughs> he does have the best moment in the film. And if you guys, do you know what the best moment in the film is? 
Is it his Cheetos line? No. Oh, I did like the Cheetos <laughs> line. <laughs> there is an exquisite dolly zoom to Ed O'Neill's face when he realises they know what the play yeah, is. Oh, they yeah. know the play. They know the play. I was just like, ooh. <laughs> Is Spielberg in the background here? Yeah. yeah, and the way you do that is you have the track going forward and you well, zoom, zoom backwards. <laughs> the dolly zoom—that's what it is. You can do it on an iPhone. It's on the dolly. It's, it's yeah. It's such a great moment. Yeah, and you know, even with sunglasses on, he pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. what well, to be fair, it's a nice callback to Jaws, isn't it? We, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> both have the sunglasses on in that show. <laughs> so there you go, little giants. Jaws, the same quality. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really, I've never really experienced Ed O'Neill in anything apart from Modern Family, and I know and, uh, around, around this time it was Married, Married with, kids with Kids was his big sitcom. Is he someone that you ever had any kind of familiarity with beyond that outside of the kind of? I'm just getting my producer to bring up his um. <laughs> his, I know his, he's, a, he's in Wayne's World as the janitor in the restaurant That's that right, does those yeah. like talk to camera monologues where he just gets oh. real dark. <laughs> Apparently he's in Wayne's World and Wayne's World too. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I have seen, for whatever reason, a couple of episodes of Married with Kids. Married with Children, right? Married with Children, yeah. <laughs> um, i and... get into semantics. <laughs> oh, please do get into semantics. Oh, he's in the West Wing. So yeah, I've seen yeah. that. John from is in all of John from Cincinnati, the ill fated uh, follow up to um, Mil- uh, Deadwood, I think. Is it Deadwood? Oh, really? David Milch. He's a Deadwood guy. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen John, John from Cincinnati? No, no, no. No, no, <laughs> I. But he's in that, apparently. But no, I have um, not necessarily willingly, uh, through osmosis, absorbed a bit of Modern Family, so I'm familiar with family. him as an older guy. Yeah, I've seen some of Modern Family. Mm. That's, that that um, would be my only touch point. Yeah. Married with Children is a fascinating relic of late 80s early 90s won, like, sitcom. He won Globes and Emmys for that, right? Yeah. It's like pretty it's very, well regarded. Yeah, it's very very like meat and potatoes, mm. meat and veg. He's definitely down the, the middle sitcom. I think he's a very good comedic performer. In mm. this. I, I loved him in his, in his tight blue shorts. <laughs> <laughs> he played Popeye Doyle in a TV pilot film called Popeye Doyle, which I didn't know existed until right now. Wow. Clearly didn't take into series then. Oh, <laughs> damn shame. Um, did, you, the, did you guys have many thoughts over the kind of the cast of kids? Because like an ambling trope. Yeah, is, thought they were shit. You thought? Ah, I thought they were shit. I thought uh, Icebox was quite good, and I quite liked Icebox's yeah. arc and that struggle with like trying to define what her mm. femininity was and where to kind of yeah. align herself. Yeah. She was much better than Junior. Yeah. Devon Devon Stan. Not Stan. He got better. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing gross. I would never do that. I really like that bit where he just like he ends that scene by just going like, "This is weird." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he just walks up. I love at the end too when when they're both celebrating and they they jumping up and down, holding hands. Then they stop and they look at each other in the eyes and you think they're gonna kiss. Then they just carry on jumping again. <laughs> and then their parents kiss, which means like, well, this isn't going to happen, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Icebox, she's pretty, I think she, she, she's of the kids pretty good. Yeah. She gets the next year. It's where the, the to do stuff. really interesting, the, the heart of the whole mm. ensemble in terms of the kind of child actor side of this really is. Otherwise, they're all like really broad stereotypes. Like literally one character is introduced 
in their clubhouse wearing a bow tie <laughs> and boiling some beakers and doing science experiments. <laughs> the man who comes up with the infamous annexation of Puerto Rico. With John Madden. Yes. The late, great John Madden as well. Now, that's a good segue into the, the NFL heavy cameo sequence, which mm-hmm. does literally feel like they had a script and they yeah. suddenly went, oh, we suddenly have cameos. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we put them in? Uh. <laughs> Sheave those sideburns, Meddingly. <laughs> so, you got the aforementioned John Madden, uh-huh. um, Emmett Smith, Bruce Smith, Bruce Smith even, Tim Brown, Steve Ent- uh, Entman. Entman. Mm. So how were they very much playing at the time as well? Oh, uh, that's it. They were absolutely playing at the time. I'll run you through. I've written down some some things. Very do. very brief uh, highlights. I'm genuinely things. quite intrigued as yeah. to what their like level play player profile was at this time. So Tim Brown was from the Notre Dame Fighting Irish back in college, and he was a wide receiver Heisman winner. So the Heisman was given to, if you guys don't know, the um, the best player in college that year. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a very prestigious award to win. And even harder to win as a wide receiver. That's how good Tim Brown was. He was also a Raiders player, so he played with John Madden. Well, he, actually, sorry. John Madden retired in 78 and Tim Brown was there for 16 years after that. Um, but he was a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Nine Pro Bowls, and he'd only been in three Pro Bowls by that film. So it's a good pick. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good pick. He's seen as one of the greats in that position, especially with that Raiders team as well. Like that's that's foresight to get a Hall of Famer like that yeah. in that early in his career. Mm-hmm. But he um <clears throat> then he gets uh, someone like Bruce Smith, who was in nineteen eighty five the first pick in the draft. So he's clearly very good mm-hmm. at what he did in college again. Um I think that's quite a nice thing with a lot of these guys who they brought in, they were shit hot in college. <laughs> and that's the point about Kevin O'Shea like, yeah, uh-huh. he's the Heisman winner mm-hmm. and so you know they, they were translating that success onwards yeah this is what it looks like mm. yeah. <laughs> so Bruce Smith was defensive end uh, defensive player of the year in 91 so that's very close to the film being made yeah. uh, Pro Bowl from 87 till 98 apart from in 91 so that's a lot of being one of if not the best player in your position mm. in the league very fucking good. <laughs> Little <laughs> Giants coming out with the elite. <laughs> but also Bruce Smith had, had still has the most career sacks. So I'm going to say this for Josh, not for you, Andy, because I know you know what a sack is. I do. But yeah. a sack is when you take you, down... You, you say. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when, is, is when you tackle the quarterback before he throws it. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> so Bruce Smith, another Hall of Famer. Uh, Emmett Smith... Shouldn't really need... Well, um, I guess for this audience, it may need some <laughs> introduction. Three Super Bowls, one Super Bowl MVP, and the MVP of the league in 1993 as well. So he's probably the best player in the world when this film is being made. Right, okay. Eight Pro Bowls in his career, four rushing leaders, most rushing yards of all time still at 18,335, the most touchdowns of any player rushing, 164. Is that still held as well? Still held. And he's the only running back to win Super Bowl, MVP, the rushing crown, and the Super Bowl MVP in the same season, and that's 1993. Is he largely regarded as one of the one of the greats, one of the best players that's ever one of the best running backs? Right. Um, It's a big difference in between running backs and quarterbacks. Many different positions. So he would be seen in. I, I 
wouldn't like to put a number on the top something. Yeah. But in his position, top five, most people would say, I think. Uh, and also came seventh in the Heisman as a junior. Oh. So you have freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. Mm-hmm. as your four years at uni. As a junior, he was seventh in Heisman voting. And then he went, he, he was eligible to move to the NFL. So he moved after that point. Wow. So you've got some great guys there. And then you have Steve Entman. <laughs> who was the first pick in 1992 right okay uh, he was injured a lot in his career and he was but he was put into the college hall of fame he was fourth on the Heisman voting uh, at the time and he was defensive end as well like Bruce Smith and he retired at the age of 27 after many injuries that was the only one they didn't hit on <laughs> the other th- the other Maybe three he just had a free weekend well, <laughs> no no because he was at the time he would have been one of the top guys um, when you're first pick in the draft he was the first pick in the draft the most coveted college player there mm-hmm. was in the country that year they probably thought this in terms of sending him it's going to be hot shit <laughs> yeah in terms of sending him there's no reason to not think he's going to be one of the greats of the game in the future potentially mm-hmm. It turns out they were right on the other three. <laughs> and they had some like backing for a few of them, of course. There were some right. pro bowls before that and everything. But Steve Entman, it didn't turn out that way because of injuries. Were all these... So I'm assuming they were all individual teams. They weren't like... Did they ever... Particularly at this point, were they all playing for different sides? So this is very much just someone going, Yeah, we've got an NFL contract. Yeah, What players can you... Yeah. bring us this weekend to shoot this sequence. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And um, the interesting thing is that Emmett Smith played for the Cowboys. Ah! Hey. <laughs> He's their great running back of that era. It was him and Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman was the quarterback. They won... Oh, I've got actually written down in my notes somewhere. Uh, they had three Super Bowl wins in about, I think it was four or five years. Four years, potentially. 92, 93... Um, and they're 95 so they were Little Giants that's was a distraction <laughs> no honestly they so when they were making this film they were Super Bowl champions mm. and they were they are America's team is what they're called the Dallas Cowboys America's so that's why team. they're the bad guys in this film <laughs> it's because they were seen as dogs. yeah the, the, uh-huh. were Giants very much looked Upon as the underdogs in this kind of yeah, I think of they actually NFL. did win a Super Bowl a few years before that. So I don't, uh, I don't know. But that team uh, in Dallas at the time it was Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and they made the playoff um, from '66 to '85, 18 or 20 times. But after that, there was a big fall off in how they were playing. Right until they became so bad. <laughs> Because they they uh, traded away Herschel Walker to the Vikings for a lot of picks, they came so bad. I think they went one in fifteen, and they got to draft Troy Aikman, <laughs> the quarterback, and then they became by design. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Tanking, tanking's part of American sports, but yeah. they became really, really good in the early nineties. Mm. So when this film comes out, they're the team to beat. Right, right. I never quite appreciated that. That was why they would have picked the Cowboys to be the antagonist team. <laughs> well, because they had a historic legacy as well of being one of the great teams. You get mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers, you get the Cowboys, and you'd see teams dominate the league for 
it's hard, and nowadays you'd say the New England Patriots, it's very hard to have a dynasty mm-hmm. in American football because of the draft system. If you're mm. the worst team in the league, you'll get the best player from college. That's the way the draft yeah. works. The worst team will get the first pick in mm-hmm. the draft. And because there's no relegation or anything like that, you can build up your team. You should be able to build up your team. Some teams will be richer because of the markets they're in. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. Dallas are a you know a monolith in American sports. Mm-hmm. They'll be seen that way. And even past that point, the Giants were seen as plucky underdogs, even though they're in one of the biggest markets in the world. <laughs> when they won their two Super Bowls under Eli Manning, they were both upsets of the New England Patriots. Mm. So they carried on, little giants. There yeah. we go. <laughs> and it, like, I found it fascinating to see like John Madden, whilst it is the same kind of caliber as the cameos that the rest of the players here, he's credited at the start of the film with the and John Madden credit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. That went way over you know my head. Uh, no. I, and I do love like, that little intro scene as well, where he's like, so we're trying to get from here to here. Yeah. And we're trying to go up through here, but we've been cut off over here. And they <laughs> try to start out the flag. Um, it's very um, Homer at the bat. It's, it's, and, and that episode of <laughs> The Simpsons is, is a very, very similar kind of formulation yeah. as this film is in terms of those cameos being very much shoehorned in there. So, so where's John Madden at this point in his career as well? Is it, he's not Retired. managing anymore. He's not. not um, is he very much commentating? Is commentating. He, like, yeah. And this is like two or three years before he directed Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, it was similar. Guy, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've got I've I've got nothing to say. <laughs> so. I think you went to my school. Recline back to my chair. The Shakespeare in Love director. Yeah. No. <laughs> this guy. Uh. <laughs> oh. But uh, how did you kind of see that scene play, Josh, as someone who's not got like yeah. any kind of. I figured that, you know what, actually, I, I don't think they were that bad. As far I, as sports cameos go, they were all okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, it really, because it, this was, what, two years after that Simpsons episode, so I just kept thinking of a software episode. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl Strawberry. Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, lot, lots, lots of this film um, did remind, it felt a bit like a Simpsons parody of itself yeah. in many places because they have, they recycle a lot of these tropes. And um, it was charming enough, yeah. It really just did have that Simpsons yeah. feeling to it. You feel like as well with cameos, they, by nature, don't hit unless you know who they yeah, are. Yeah, it's very yeah. inside baseball. So, it? like, <laughs> I obviously knew... As it were. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew John Madden. I knew Emmett Smith. Because they're big names. When I did some reading, the others made sense. Yeah, you're like, I knew oh, okay. Madden... It's his name on this is it's his name on the NFL sports game. games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I I knew the surname from that. Yeah, I figured out oh, he's he is somebody. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that's how I grew up knowing Madden as well. Yeah. It's by playing yeah. Madden. Yeah, <laughs> I really do enjoy uh, the these capsules of like these people were at the height of their power and their fame at this point in time therefore they are in this movie like, like mm. with the Simpsons episode I, I do love when you have or like Dan Marino and Ace Ventura or Brett Favre in uh, There's Something About Mary it's really nice when you, it's a really Lance Armstrong in Dodgeball yeah, yeah. It's just a very never like, has a cameo been so great and then fallen so oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. probably the best cameo of all time until it wasn't <laughs> 
and it, even then it seems to have come back around as like just the line of like I hope this decision won't haunt you forever <laughs> <laughs> but even even as someone who has no conception of who these people are um, until now thanks to thanks to Reese, but it is a very interesting yard, like cultural um, thermometer I think for the moment mm. these are the people who are at the forefront of sports Yeah. So, on that line of um, the way the films has a relationship with real life football, um, Mm. the plays at hand in this film, Mm -hmm. how how kind of accurate are they? Is there anything here that like would legally be accepted? I know there's that people have echoed the play, but are there things here that would generally fly? Yeah, I think there's probably a majority of places which would work. Um, interestingly enough, the annexation of Puerto Rico itself is a play very much designed for short yardage. Mm. A fumble ruski invented by fumble-ruski. John Heisman in the early ah. 1920s. <laughs> uh, it's either late 1910s or early 1920s when he invented it. But he's credited as being one of the great pioneers of the game. Mm. Um, he was a college uh, coach, but he was. Oh, I wrote down. I think it was Georgia Tech and yeah, Auburn, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Penn State. Instrumental in legalizing the forward pass in American football. So did it not used to be? So was it illegal? It wasn't. Always, for, yeah. for, 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 I didn't yeah. ever knew that. <laughs> and that's a while ago, though. So yeah. <laughs> there's no reason you should know that before our time. Yeah. So John Heisman, the guy who lent his name to Kevin O'Shea's winning trophy at the end of his uh, college career, invented the fumble ruski. Um, but interestingly enough, about that play, the annexation of Puerto Rico itself, what they describe when. The kid with the glasses, what's his name? I don't know. The one who's like ill and stuff. With the beakers. No. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh the, the, the play the, kid. The play kid. Yeah. Um, I kept, I do, I had, this was something hang I was on, saying, hang going on. Give me one second. Whilst he, I was watching it, I was trying his to pick up their names. name. They're not set that um, often. <laughs> uh, newbie, newbie. And there's a lot of newbie, kids. Newbie, <laughs> So newbie. newbie makes up this play called The Annexation of Puerto Rico and he talks to John Madden about it and he mm-hmm. describes it and I was watching this great video by Roger Sherman from The Ringer. He's saying that essentially the quarterback should be heading right on a slow developing fake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I'm I see Josh is nodding. I'm taking myself there. And the running back and the running back is heading out on a deep wheel route. A deep wheel route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. As you say, route. A deep, a deep yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. deep the deep wheel route. So <laughs> that's the play he talks through with John Madden based on a play which he ran in the or 1970-something Super Bowl with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So it turns out the annexation of Puerto Rico, when it actually happens, no. It's not like, <laughs> nothing not like actually that. the play. <laughs> no. It's just a fumble ruski. So it's a really fun word. It, that's why they say. use it in It's a fumble ruski. <laughs> yeah. So the thing with the fumble ruski, it's it's a trick play, and that's why it's used in films. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's something which it lends gives, itself to yeah, dramatic. Yeah, it gives the underdog a chance. A bit to of do pantomime as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's why, yeah. And so everyone fakes to one side of the field. Mm-hmm. The quarterback fake fumbles it in the traditional sense, fumble ruski. It's a fake fumble, or they'll just place it on the mm-hmm. floor. Which, if you place it on the floor in front of you, yeah. that's you dropping the ball. Mm. The ball's in play. If it goes, yeah. I mean, and so when someone else can pick it up, 
at any point there. But everyone's faking one way. Yeah. So everyone's running to that side. You think the fullback or the halfback's got it. In this case, I think they've got Icebox running the... Uh, the they fake. do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's blessedly come back from her oh, yeah, brief she, cheerleading. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> tries out the cheerleading. It's yeah. not for her. <laughs> so pleased she came back. Everyone gangs up on Icebox. It was a spike, smashes her. He, he, he fucking twats it. He goes for <laughs> But Rudy has it. Yeah. Rudy's got Oh, little Rudy. Uh, <laughs> Rudy can't <laughs> fail. That's what that song's about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's great for short yardage because he's the O-line. Mm-hmm. So the O-line have always got to be big, fat guys. Mm. They can be muscly as well, but the big, fat guys who block... Just have a lot of weight to put And let eye. people run behind them. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is he runs about half the pitch and obviously runs out of breath. Yeah. So this play should be over. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be part of the play. He throws it above his head. <laughs> That's not the way a play works. <laughs> but, you know, some schoolyard bullshit couple of laterals. It gets into the tiny guy's hands, runs into the post. Yeah. yeah. Which is also 10 yards away from the touchdown line, the end zone. So, <laughs> so it's a game-saving trick play, which happens a lot in a film, I think, because it looks like a mistake and it's kind of fun. Yeah. But um, I was, yeah, uh, Roger Sherman said in this, in this video as well, that also happens in the long shots with Ice Cube. Never seen that. I've not seen that either. But Chalk also, it up for next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it also happens in the new version. Well, I say new at this juncture. It's not. Newer. The longest yard. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Old Burt Reynolds <laughs> scores a touchdown in the last minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the fumble ruski. Um, it's, it's fascinating mm. that this play keeps coming up in films. And especially because... The scores were tied mm. at this point. They, ha- they have to be tied. They were t- I've got the exact... The um, is, so like 24-24? with one minute of 45 yeah. left. So well, It's like four seconds left, isn't there? There's four seconds left. <laughs> at, at, but that's when a tie begins when they announce right, the tie. Okay. <laughs> so there's four seconds left on the play. And Ed O'Neill shouts, don't let anyone get in behind you. Mm. Which is what a coach should do before he calls what the defence go into mm-hmm. as their formation. <laughs> <laughs> because they stack the box. Wait, wait, wait! <laughs> unless, unless he's trying to win this game on a safety, which is when you tackle the other team in your own end zone. Yeah, yeah. Unless he's trying to win it on that, then why is he stacking the box? <laughs> Everyone runs forward. <laughs> they leave no safety deep, no cornerback deep. Stupid kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but that's his fault. That's, <laughs> that's Ed O'Neill the fraud's fault. <laughs> Kevin O'Shea. You suddenly realised why he never got out of college years. <laughs> By this point in the game, the kids are thinking about their McDonald's. <laughs> they don't listen right. to Kevin Fauche, you know what I mean? <laughs> I really do enjoy, like, particularly, and this is where it kind of builds more into the sports movie formula, is you get the first half and you see them all really, really In really cartoonish ways. Yeah, to the point where a kid gets, like, imprinted into the ground. We're talking talking Space Jam. Yeah, we're talking Space Jam. That was literally like, okay, that's my mind as well. I don't want to go to school for that. A kid's head gets put in... Put inside himself, like you get, like well, it's a weird little. Um, there's a weird little gag like, about like, can can I end up being like, rolling talking through your ass? Yeah, talking through your yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess it can. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like that kind of like, and then they have the um, inspirational halftime. Again, it's like, it's like in Space Jam with the the special stuff. 
Oh, yeah. secret stuff. Although in this one, the special stuff is when Rick Moranis says, his words. whoever said you had to be good to play football? I really yeah. like that line. It really spoke to me as the kid that was never very good at sports, but always really liked playing sports. Seems to really fly in the face of... of... And that is still my... Uh, it's still my level to this day. Yeah. I like I, I like playing games despite not being very good at them. <laughs> it's like you have to be good. You play because you want to, and it's fun. I like that. Yeah, I like that sentiment. I, dude, same, same. <laughs> I also didn't realize the whole like that because I've never really watched. We, we, I think I watched one game of American football back in we watched 2011, the 2012, we watched the when um, the Avengers trailer was going to be launched yeah. in a halftime show. So yeah, um, that would have been the 2012 Super Bowl. 2012 Super Bowl. So I didn't realize, I didn't appreciate that it, the stop-start nature of like it's made of a series of plays, and it, it is like it does feel very theatrical. It's a series of tableaus that are then brought mm-hmm. to life for about what 20, 30 seconds, it's and the then most Hollywood you reset. Sport. Yeah, but it's it's very stagey, and mm-hmm. the fact they're called plays and that you you the, have moments. Yeah, like yeah. that. That is why it lends itself so well, and all American sports, sports yeah. in general, uh, they really work. They're all well. very like basketball, baseball. They're all they're, they're based all very, on very stuff. Something happening within ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, and then ad break. <laughs> there's yeah. There's, <laughs> <laughs> that's why there's not as many good football, uh, soccer, sorry, movies. Yeah. Is because that's a flood. American listeners. It's our second biggest territory. <laughs> soccer movies. Um, yeah. Is because that's in a flow. Yeah. Whilst American sports are based on moments. Yeah, and you can have the timeout, you can have the pep talk, you yeah. can have, like you say, the reversal of fortunes at half time. Yeah. And you can really feel And you can that. have trick plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can do some schoolyard bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you can do some silly stuff. <laughs> there can be hijinks and what's capers. What's the line? Um, football is 20% physical and 80% something. mental. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it was, uh, what was it, 40%? The, it added up to 120%, I think, was the joke. <laughs> 80% mental, 40% physical, right. or something like that. <laughs> Which then confused the opposite O lineman yeah. or D lineman at that point. Was it? What? <laughs> There's a bit when one of the kids says, um, We're going to do a reverse to me. And in my head, it went, To you then. <laughs> I like that. What's the last thing they expect us to do? Pass it to me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's got a nice stutter step on that kid. Like, yeah. He chugs a couple guys into the Gatorade on the side. Yeah. <laughs> that was the bit where I was like, like most touched by like the parents in the crowd because you do just see his dad just go, my son scored a touchdown. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like not a, the guy who just turns up yeah. at the fucking end. This guy came to rip around yeah. and mix it. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of the, uh, the goalposts yeah, as well. Yeah, he was right? one of the goalposts. He was very intrinsic in the training. <laughs> it's that school of rock thing where in the final the final gig they cuts to the parents when the kids get their solos and yeah. you can see their pride. Much better movie than this school. <laughs> but it, it is like I think that's one of the moments that choked me up too is when you see the parent. Every, every kid gets a moment to impress their parents. They do. Every kid and gets a little moment. Even though I hate all the kids, I hate them. I think they're rubbish, and I'm pleased their careers didn't take off. Even <laughs> even with that in mind, it was nice to see their parents be proud of them. Devin Sawyer raises you, Stan. <laughs> and Final Destination. And Final Destination. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. You still working? <laughs> Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I do think like particularly. It's a fact that 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 kind of thing is very effective too. Yeah. Do you, do you guys ever have that sort of thing when doing something mm. outside of sport potentially, where you did it not necessarily for the love of what you're doing, but for the feeling of 
I know that my parents might mm. love that I'm doing this and they're proud of me for doing it. That's oh, totally. a good question. Totally, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, when I was in sixth form, I was, I was head boy. You've have mentioned, we mentioned this before. <laughs> Josh, I've been in many conversations with you and you've loser. mentioned it at least 50% I'm of... I'm 30. <laughs> this is 12 years ago now. Uh, but, you know, like, I had to deliver a speech at an awards ceremony once as, as, as head boy, which I was 12 years ago. And uh, in that moment, I thought, okay, my, my parents are in the audience and, uh, yeah, I feel like they're proud of me. I like to hope they're proud of me. A lot in the long way. I'm moving down here, you know, getting a job at a place that I like. It's all you think. Okay, I hope they're mm. they're proud of their support of me. <laughs> my early years <laughs> supporting my film degree. <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? I'm trying to think if there's an example for my for mm. myself. There's certainly been a couple of like I don't know. Was, oh no, am I gonna am I gonna say it? I was head boy too. I wasn't. <laughs> Just so we're clear. The last episode's guests, Seb Jones and maybe Jack Buckley, were. Seb definitely Seb, was. Seb was head boy. A lot yeah. of us were, were all, we were relaxed. We, we, speaking about peeking too early, we all peeked too early. <laughs> now we're sitting in the basement <laughs> discussing Little Giants and Mac and me, which I couldn't honestly, recommend. Like. Honestly, this is what I envisioned for myself. <laughs> <laughs> you proud of me, Ma? Pa? Yeah, I would like to think so. Um, I've given solos and concerts that I, I, at the time, was like quite sick of going to rehearsals and stuff, but I did it because I knew like your mum and dad would be in the crowd, and you'd be like, they'll be proud of this when it when it happens, and they were, they were, they gave me a pat on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I'll be there. Have you got a particular example yourself, Reese? Having posed the, having posed the question. Oh, well, I think um, a lot of what I did. Uh, well, to be fair, I, I did enjoy, you know, drama, sport, yes, music. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of, like uh, all those things. Like, what was your sport? Rugby. Uh, rugby, cricket. Um, also hockey. As mm-hmm. well. um, th- yeah, I was decent enough. At <laughs> well, three. But li- uh, listeners, um, Reese Edwards is very much the person. If I ever put a new game in front of him, be it. <laughs> physical or video video game <laughs> mental the man just takes to it instantly <laughs> I remember after Andy Godion's birthday drinks maybe this year or last year went back to your flat and were playing Buzz and oh, everyone was year. people were completely half cut and I thought Reese was as well to a point but then I was on your team <laughs> and after like five minutes like fuck's sake guys come on get your head together get your head together <laughs> It's very impressive. You have this well. I'm Kevin O'Shea. <laughs> what kind of Cheetos do you have? Crunchy yeah. or puffed? <laughs> puffed? <laughs> Wimp. <laughs> yeah. Many, many moments. Yeah. Many moments within yeah. those things which I did enjoy. So it doesn't quite answer the question. <laughs> I think, like, because the film speaks to. And the whole crux of the idea is like focusing on the team of people who just never got picked yeah. in PE or what have you. What were you guys like in PE at school? Were were you picked pretty pretty soon out early out the gate, or were you one of the ones that were kind of <laughs> straggling? Or did it depend on the sport? <laughs> what do you think? How can you look? You at were me quite athletic as a. I could run. I could yeah. run. I could you, run. You were a high jumper. Have you spoken about that on your? On the podcast before, that, yeah. You <laughs> see, uh, unlike Josh, I couldn't run, but I could do everything else. <laughs> you, you, you got the coordination. Yeah, I have the uh, 
cardiovascular endurance, I guess. That's and I was never picked as well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I was never picked. I was picked like I wasn't dead last, but I was in the final third, mm. like top of the final third. I think. I was a good swimmer. One of the proudest moments that they had in a PE lesson, we were doing a football game. It was um, about six a side or so, and you you weren't allowed to have a keeper. It was all out 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 in the field. You're all just all just going for it, and uh, we were pretty. It was like I think it was two all, and there was only about five minutes left of the the lesson, and we were full on an attack, and the they managed to stop us from scoring, and then they instantly counterattacked, and I, and I was the person who was closest to the goal line. And I ran back and as someone who was also like probably one of the better kids at football in our school <laughs> shot for the goal, I just dived across the line and just headed it off. Oh, <laughs> and I was mate. like, and then I just had my PE teacher just go, Andrew, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, that is one of the proudest moments of my life. <laughs> that, to me, <laughs> that to me, that's what sport's about. You, yeah. you create those moments yeah. and they mean so much to you and your family and to people who saw that with you at the time. That was just for but me, then Mr. You say it, yes. <laughs> but, but then you say it to all your followers and listeners on Amblin, they're like, why are they talking about it? Uh, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter to people, but it matters to the individual, yeah. and that's why this film is great. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what, what are your memories of that kind of thing? Were you, were you, you were a sportly active guy. Yeah. Do you have any specific Big moments of that kind of Oh, it's the bottom of the night, yeah, kind of thing. you know, scored tries and things like that. I mean, too many. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. Uh, here's a good one. I did hit someone in the face with a hockey stick. Um, <laughs> Intentionally, that's illegal. Uh, <laughs> it was unintentionally, uh, and that's what they uh, I was defending. I was pretty. It's what your lawyer pretty told good you to say. <laughs> so I had a crisis of confidence. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I was swinging at a ball just inside my own D. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, I was swinging at a ball and someone stuck out their stick just in front of mine. Right. My stick hit theirs, went, ran right up their stick, right up their arm, right into their face. And I was, it was a full-blooded swing. Full-blooded swing. And there was just blood pouring oh, out of his Jesus. mouth. So you have gum oh. shields and everything. But blood pouring from his face. And... I turn to him and say, oh, you're right. And I've never been so, like, fine with an answer which was aggressive towards me. <laughs> <laughs> because he said, what does it fucking look like? <laughs> I kind of just had to say, yeah, fair enough. And I moved on. Uh... <laughs> What was your peak sporting moment, Joshua Glenn? I got a few actually, because I did used to run, and I was oh, all right. <laughs> it was all like it was like it was more like just doing doing like silver medal level at uh, sports day. I was always um, the final leg on the four hundred meter relay, or I did occasional eight hundred meter runs. And I'd always do okay. I'd always come in. Either third or second. So you don't get the full glory, but you're like, oh, this, he didn't fuck up too much. 
Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get to take some hardware home. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the 400m meter relay is the most the, being the final leg of that is really satisfying because if you've got a little bit of spring in your step, especially if you know your team have set you up really nicely, mm. that final stretch you get all the glory. You get to bask in all the glory of your team's coordinated effort. And it, yeah, I, just, I still mentally dine out on those memories quite a bit. Also, yeah, I found out I was okay at uh, uh, discus. Briefly for a year. I remember trying to. I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do the sort of. I was better of, um, at shot put than I than I was javelin or discus. Oh, jav- javelin, javelin, classical throwing yeah. sports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've really moved off. This is the only ever time I think we're going to talk like this on this podcast. Oh, I, I can't, I I can't think of another Amblin sports movie, I'll be honest. <laughs> and they moved away pretty is quickly Invictus, after. Is Invictus one? Do we have that? No, that we have a couple of Clint's, don't we? We've got a couple of Clint's, but that's no, Hereafter and the Flags of Our Fathers and Let's of Iwo yeah. from that period. Not great sport. No, no, not great sport movies. <laughs> the sport of war. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But no, not that I can think that there's really any other sports movie that we're going to cover. So this is the time to do it. <laughs> well, I think sports are great in the sense of it doesn't matter even if you were partaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you care or not, it's the people you were around and were with. I think you find that with, um, as a Welshman, uh, rugby, of course. But yeah. in, this, in, in England specifically, when the World Cup happens mm. in football, soccer... Um, <laughs> people start to give a shit even if they don't give a yeah, shit this and guy. It, it becomes a moment every yeah. single four years where people well, it's better when it's in the summer um, yeah. uh, not in Qatar <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ but um, I think people come together and it's it's one of those where were you when yeah, and, yeah. and if something big happens so I remember it was pretty soon after my, my, my dad passed away. I was in Cardiff watching. And the reason I loved Wales rugby so much was because it was something I talked about all the time mm-hmm. with my dad. Yeah. We care about Clancy Scarlets, Wales rugby. I had to be there. Mm-hmm. I had to watch it. I loved rugby anyway. But with that tangible link to it, with someone to talk to about it. Yeah, yeah. That was what made it special. So my dad bought debenture seats at the Millennium Stadium, now the Principality Stadium, uh, a couple of years before he died. And in 2019, um, which was the year he passed away, about a month later, I was there with a friend um, watching in those debenture seats, which he passed on to me, Mm. watching England play Wales. I was also there for the Grand Slam clinching game where we beat Ireland which was fantastic and a really fun thing. But watching, there's something primal about watching England versus Wales mm. and the hymns and arias coming through the crowd mm. with five minutes to go or six minutes to go, whatever it was. And Dan Bigger gets the ball off the back of a scrum, cross kick to the other side of the pitch. The crowd go mental. Josh Adams goes up, bobbles it, catches it, touches down. And everyone loses their minds in the stadium. To beat England at home. Mm-hmm. And that sort of moment will always stay with me. Not necessarily because of the sporting elements of it, but because of the, the, the people element mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. And the, the element of, I will never forget how it felt in that moment watching that. And I don't think from that point, you know, that's what sport is to me. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important. And that's why I hope 
at Hamblin in the future make more sports yeah. films <laughs> <laughs> because it's 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 something which it, it unlocks something in you. Yeah, yeah. it's why these movies work because it, yeah. it tries to mm-hmm. reverse engineer and bottle that feeling. And even if it is artificial, like this movie is. It's not, it's still, it's, but it still works. When I was going to say that was a that was a more beautiful story than I think this film deserves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think that should be the the combination of our. I've got nothing else to say of mm-hmm. merit or no after that. that was Sports lovely, are beautiful. This I film is okay. <laughs> Sports are beautiful, and Mac and me is great. <laughs> and there is also a definitive um, point of <laughs> diminishing returns for farty kid jokes I think I counted and five jokes yes. <laughs> the point of no return is about one <laughs> but that was lovely that was, this is why I'm, I'm so happy you came on for this one man this is yeah. a, oh, thanks, man. a perspective and uh, an ethos that we sports is all about narrative yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why sports films work that's why they work it just so naturally build into it yeah yeah even if you have to have Lots of kids meeting up on a railway, <laughs> a railway track as they build their team. <laughs> and that's why it might have worked slightly better for me than someone like Josh, because yeah. I've got context. Yeah. 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 You yeah. need context, context for narrative. Is <laughs> context is key. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, it's not a good film. But it's passable, and yeah. with the context... And it's like 100 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, can't argue fairer yeah. than that. <laughs> yeah. Now, with a little professional help, they've got exactly two weeks to learn how to pass. What a hunk. Hi. Catch. Son, if you're going to cheat, win. Block. Get the fear out of your eyes. Let's go. You got it, mate. And kick butt. Want intimidation? I'll show you intimidation. Little Giants. Do you like football? No. You want to play football? No. Great, you can be on our team. Heroes come in all sizes. Um, we did have a couple of tweets in about Little Giants. Uh, the first one from At Next to the Isle, which literally just said, Great little film. Love it. <laughs> you know what? It's the best little film that I'm going to last two little films I've done, yes. <laughs> On a similar note, we got a tweet from Jason at Nerdrovert, who I believe contributed uh, for Flintstones. Flintstones? Yeah, yeah. Uh, loved it as a kid growing up. Still puts me in a good mood. I throw it on today, which uh, I think is true of a lot of sports movies. Yeah, have that. like comfort viewing. To a point of. earlier, it's like it made me think a lot of. Um, did you guys ever watch Like Mike when you were a oh, kid? Did I? I don't, I don't want, want to be to. like Mike. Do you know, you, do you know, know what it's about? Well, I know it's about basketball. Yes. Little Bow Wow. It made me think a lot about that movie. I don't. I guess just kid-centric yeah. sports movie. But yeah. like, and that was a film I watched a lot as a kid. And I imagine, to your point earlier, if this had been something we had yeah. discovered when I was that age, it might have, yeah. might have, uh, might have worked. The ingredients <laughs> are all there for this yeah. movie. <laughs> How does it rank for the Amblin experts? How is it, as an no, no, joint. no, no, no. As the Amblin diminutive joint. <laughs> Little or small <laughs> in the title. <laughs> Where is it like? Oh, it's, it's much better than the Little Rascals. <laughs> and, and against Small Soldiers? Oh, Small it's Soldiers like, is in another league. <laughs> it's like 12% as good as Small Soldiers. <laughs> Wait. 12% better? No, 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 no. no. Is it's 12% of the overall good that Small Soldiers okay. is. 
wild how small soldiers must be an eight star film. <laughs> Trying to think if there are any other Avalon films with the small, little, or tiny in the title. <laughs> also, yeah, shout out to Terror of Tiny Town. <laughs> Please watch if you haven't. <sighs> well, I think this does about bring us to an end on our ramble war about little giants. But, um, we hope you join us in our next episode where we'll be getting acquainted, acquainted with Casper, the Friendly Ghost, the 1995 movie directed by Brad Silberling and starring Christina Ricci and Mas- Bill Pullman. Masterpiece. Don't, don't give it away. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that out. If you, want, if you want to watch the film along with us and don't happen to have the film on disc, it is available to stream for those of you that have a Hey You subscription. Otherwise, you can rent or buy the film. Is that? <laughs> I know, that's what I thought. Who has that? Hey, you. I got a free trial so I could watch Casper. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> didn't have the disc. We will discuss this next episode. But, but um, if you want to watch the film with us and don't have it on disc, you can watch it at Hey, You. Or you can rent or buy it digitally from Amazon, Apple, Chili, Google Play, Microsoft Store, Rakuten TV, Sky Store, and YouTube. There is also a Blu-ray set at HMV for £8 that uh, is the first film, the masterpiece, plus the two straight-to-video prequels, rather, plus five episodes of the animated series as well. £8. Cannot go wrong with that. (laughs) There's a lot of Casper. (laughs) You might have been able to tell that I'm very excited to discuss Casper. Uh, (laughs) Any strong thoughts on Casper, Reese? Never seen it, never will. It's excellent. Well, um, you listen to the episode, right? <laughs> like you have all the previous ones. <laughs> if you listeners out there have any uh, thoughts, feelings, opinions about Casper, please do tweet us at ramblinamblin or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. And while your phone or device of any other kind is in your hand, do go on to your podcast catcher of choice. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. It all helps. I'll do that now. Yeah, let us know what your greatest sport he literally was is. As a child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Reese literally is doing that right now. Yes, please do let us know your greatest sporting memory as a child. So, last thing to say really is a big thank you to you, Reese, for yeah, joining thanks, us for this episode. You've you know, managed to bring us a perspective that we really could not <laughs> offer. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. Always guys. love hanging out with you, and it's nice to it's nice to do this. And we'll 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 have you back again for another diminutive <laughs> film in the future that we may or may not have mentioned earlier in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes ago, I think. It was. <laughs> and it was always a chore to drink beer in a basement. <laughs> so thank you for making that sacrifice. <laughs> thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Always a pleasure, never a chill. <laughs> and thank you, dear listener, for stopping by to listen to us ramble all about Little Giants. We'll be back again next time with our episode on Casper. Until then, take care, stay safe. We'll see you next time.